This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. I have a sermon title. I'm not sure if any of you would recognize the title, except maybe one person, maybe two. And the title is called, Bring Out Your Dead. All right. Got a couple people. <laughs> I was hoping Ski was here because I knew I can get a good laugh. Uh, bring out your dead. So I would like for you to start thinking in your mind, what do you think that title means? Start thinking, like, bring out the dead. And where do you think I'm going with this sermon? I'd like for you to start thinking. Now, uh, I've done this exercise, and I won't do it today, but there's this exercise about uh, you remember when you were a kid, if you've ever been in a swimming pool, and you try to tell your, your sibling or your cousin, what, you know, can they understand what you're saying underwater? And you, you try to say something underwater, and they try to guess. Anybody ever play that game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or tapping, same thing. A lot of times I feel like when I'm preaching, I know exactly what I'm saying, but hopefully you are getting it through the muffling of me not having the right time, a timing, or, or all those things, maybe distracted. You hear the music from downstairs, and all of a sudden it, you don't, you're not really hearing what I'm trying to say or the Holy Spirit's trying to say through me. So I'm, I'm asking you to think really through, what do you think I mean by bring out the dead? There's a, a Monty Python movie uh, it's a bit morbid. I want to share a scene with you in a second. It's a bit morbid. It's comical. But there is a message uh, of truth in this little scene. And it's a scene about this uh, world called Spamalot. Raise your hand if you heard of Spamalot. Yes. Let me just uh, give you the clip here in a second. And Natalie, I do ask it because uh, sound is vital that they hear that we have it. Nice and jacked up. Uh, the, the scene is that there, uh, it's a muddy, uh, disease-infected street of a medieval, medieval city that is under siege, and a wagon of corpses is being dragged by a bored attendant who calls out with his little triangle, metal triangle, bring out the dead. And then he says it again, bring out the dead. And bring out the dead. And then all of a sudden, in the end of the scene, a man is carrying an elderly father over his shoulder and approaches the wagon and attempts to offload the body. Let's watch the scene. I'm not sure what you would think of a scene like that. When I first saw it, I laughed because it was funny. But this scene, I think, hits too close sadly, to Western society. And I think Western society is, I, I would normally write creeping its way, but I think the right word would be running its, its way into the world of spam a lot. So you might be thinking, how is that so? Well, in this particular scene, we know that the elderly are despised. And in Western society, the elderly are despised. We don't want them in our peripheral vision. We, we want to put them, put them away in some place where we don't see them. We don't visit them. We don't really, we, we just, we'd rather, we'd rather part with our good earned money so that we wouldn't have to uh, deal with it. So uh, Spamalot is uh, 
is sadly, I would say here, maybe in a good way, we could say almost here. Uh, the infirmed are despised, and especially not just in Western culture, but it just seems like in general, I remember a, a scene when I think, I, I think maybe Amber was with us. I was in um, Honduras, and we saw this guy with one leg and a makeshift homemade crutch uh, begging for money at a, a street corner in San Pedro Sula, and the, the way people treated him uh, was, was not nice. So the Western society is creeping into the world of Spamalot. Uh, we despise the Down syndrome child in the womb. Certain Western countries will uh, dispose of little kids who have Down syndrome before they're even born. The unborn child is despised. The homeless is despised. The mentally ill person in the Western world is despised. And the list goes on and on. We don't have time to share the list. But today we don't bash people with clubs. Uh, that's too barbaric. Uh, we do it with, through the courtroom, justices of the peace, judges. Or we do it with our uh, hostility towards these people, haughty eyes. Uh, or worse yet, act like they don't even exist, ignoring uh, those who are infirmed and are close to death. And in the Western world, uh, they just get clubbed, not with clubs, but with needles, surgical scalpels, and on and on. And so we are approaching in our world uh, at a rapid speed that there, those who are barely alive are, are being ushered into the wagon of death. And before we get too ahead of ourselves of judging those worldly people, I would like for us to be challenged ourselves. This is going to hurt a little bit what I want to say. It's very much like when, if you've ever been in a doctor's office and the lady or the nurse comes in with a needle. Has anybody been in there? And one time I was going, to, that was happening to me. And... Um, I just literally cringed, and she saw me cringe, and the nurse goes, are you a scaredy cat? And, uh, and she goes, did I say that out loud? And I said, yes, and, she goes, and I said, yes, I am. So what I'm about to say is a challenge to us, so this might sting like a needle in the arm from the Holy Spirit. In the church, and rightfully so, we talk about the value of life and especially of the preborn baby. And I think we need to continue to stand uh, and be a voice for the unborn child. But too often, and not saying everybody, and I'm not saying mosaic, but too often, but we, it, mosaic is not the only church. We are, we are bound by other churches. It's kind of like a family, you know? Somebody's doing something in the name of the family, it affects us all. Too many of us are too quick to place those who are sin-bound on, uh, on the death cart. So people who might be struggling with a certain sin, we, 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 we're not embracing them and loving them in, in discipleship. We are removing them from our peripheral vision, our spiritual peripheral vision. And so as a church, we talk about the value of life of the pre-born, but we need to be challenged on the life of the postborn. 
That is a criticism of lots of worldly people say about the church. And I think there's some truth to it. It's not completely true, but there's some truth. We weep for the discarded baby that is entombed in the blue medical waste bag. But we also need to weep for the people who are breaths away, steps away from being thrown into the death cart. If you've ever seen, uh, there's a Netflix show about a policy in an eastern country. And it was a photographer who liked to film, uh, take photos of, of bridges in this eastern country, far east country. And unbeknownst to him, as he's taking a picture of these old bridges, he noticed during drought season that there was bags and bags of trash bags, yellow, I think they were at the time. And it wasn't until he realized that as he investigated that these bags were filled with preborn children and postborn children. So we weep for those who are, who are discarded on the death wagon, preborn and postborn. But as a church, we need to do better uh, on both ends. I've been haunted by some facts that a child, you know, as I shared a few weeks ago, that they can, uh, California can determine how many prisons they need to build based on the reading level, uh, skill level of second and third graders. So I'm haunted by that. I'm haunted that I, I, uh, I read some statistic yesterday that the average home of a, of a impoverished child has less than 10 to 15 books in their homes. So there's no reading at home. So social scientists can determine one's financial outcome based on how many books are in the home. One of my favorite authors, I had the privilege of being in his class. He was my professor. Uh, Dr. Mark Rutland wrote, and, and, and I quote, Jesus gave us a template for the church to raise the dead and cast out devils. But sadly, it has been the opposite where we raise the devil and cast out the dead. It's a challenge to us as a church that we don't... <laughs> that we don't play a part in this little video clip that we saw. In the land of Spamalot, the weak are unsafe. The infirmed are not safe. And if we're not careful, we as a church will become a church of Spamalot. That those who are sick are not safe. They're, they're, they're judged. Those who are struggling are judged instead of embracing them and helping them to, to walk in their journey with Jesus into freedom. And if we become a Spamalot church, we will not be powerful enough to help raise the almost dead. I believe this is the moment for our church. What spurred on this message, which was not part of my I have, I have my sermons uh, mapped out on my spreadsheet. Uh, it was not, this is not what was on the spreadsheet for today. It's what we saw last week in our service with Teen Challenge. This is the moment for the church, not so that we can club over the head with our spiritual, you know, holiness, 
but to help bring people back from the almost dead. Did you hear the story of that young man who shared that he was homeless, living in a tent, and God set him free? Do you remember that story? It was powerful. But to me, what was more powerful than that was the story that he talked about when he posted online on Craigslist in Wakulla County that he was homeless and needed a pillow and a blanket. And to me, the miracle of miracles, what I heard last week, was that a family, a God-fearing, Jesus-loving, spirit-filled family saw the classified ad and responded to it. The Holy Spirit, I, I talked to them for a few moments, and the Holy Spirit said, spoke to them. And so they wanted to respond. And they responded to help a homeless, drug-addicted young man. This morning we sang a song that says, I, God, I want to move your heart. And I believe this is what moves his heart. When we are moved in power to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit towards obedience to help those who are almost dead. There are quite a few people in our peripheral vision in our lives that are almost dead. Not, not all almost dead are just the homeless or the mentally ill, but there are marriages that are almost dead and God would like for you to be used as, a, as an agent of grace. So we're not just talking about church people here, but could be someone in your workplace that their marriage is going through a rough time. It's almost dead. And as you know, if you've been to one of our mosaic Christian marriages, we talk about that when there's a union between a man and a, a, a wife, husband and wife, that when they come together, they become one. One. It's like, it's like looking through a telescope and, and happen to be seen, which I understand the whole thing about light, but if you happen to see uh, like a star develop, something new develop, a new planet, something just got created and you happen to see it. So when you're at that wedding ceremony, you see it. And so some marriages are, it's about to die. It's the, the dyeness of that new oneness. So God wants their marriages that are almost dead. There's rebellious children, teens that desperately need an agent of grace. There's not only physically an almost dead older person, emotionally. You know, when we, Jesus says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me, I was imprisoned. You know, we all think uh, prison with bars, but I'm thinking people who are imprisoned uh, in society, imprisoned in some home or imprisoned in their, their depression and anxiety and, and they're bound, not by bars, steel bars, but a spiritual boundness. And God wants to use us as a church to help people who are almost on that death cart. Of course, homeless person. 
Are we going to be the church that will look at an ad from a person who says, I need help. I know I'm as skeptical, cynical as probably all of you. I've seen the, the TV news ad where, you know, a newscast where they find that there's this homeless man who's asking for money and they follow him and they go, he goes to a really nice house and he rides in a Mercedes. We understand that there are people who abuse the system. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to us as a church that when we see, not in, necessarily in a Craigslist ad, but the Holy Spirit, is, as you're walking in life and you're walking around in your, your workplace and, and your neighborhood and, and the Lord tells you to open your eyes and you see some kid, I don't know if you saw in the paper just the other day, uh, there was this little kid on, I think it was Monroe Street, riding his little uh, scooter, you know, riding along, looking for his mom on, on Monroe. And a policeman saw him, an off-duty policeman, so, and he pulled over and he said, son, what are you doing? And he says, I'm looking for my mom. She went shopping and I went, you know, he's on, he's on Monroe Street uh, on a little scooter. And it, and it loved it because it was a policeman who, who had the capacity to see that there was a need. So maybe someone is not gonna place an ad and, and make it super obvious for us, but maybe there's someone that could use your Holy Spirit-empowered life to help people in their journey with Jesus. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 20, uh, at the time it says, uh, this is uh, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and to those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Bring out your dead. That should be our anthem as a church. One thing I absolutely love about Teen Challenge, it's not just giving people pillows and blankets, but it's giving them eternal healing. I shared this with my family, and I'm not sharing this as a form of manipulation. I had a crazy stream. I shared it with Ross. Had a craziest dream that, uh, <laughs> and I never have dreams like this. This is uh, pretty crazy. Uh, I think I had, a, I did have a similar vision. It wasn't a dream; it was a vision. Uh, almost 40 years ago, I was with my family, my my uh, my siblings, not my my wife and kids, my my siblings, and I was with one of my brothers, and I we were just chatting, very much like a day like today. And I noticed up in the sky, I looked up and it looked like a, a cloud was forming into a shape. And so I looked up and I kept staring at it. And I said to my brother, I said, hey brother, doesn't that look like a white horse? And then literally the, the cloud turned into a white horse. And then I saw another set of clouds 
dark clouds that look like it turn into a dark horse, very much what you would see in, in Revelation. And as soon as that moment hit, I knew what it was. It was like judgment time, the ones that we recite every Sunday. He's coming back to judge. And I turned real quick to warn my brother, and he was gone. So it's not like, you know, he got raptured or anything like that, but he was gone. I felt like in my dreams and when I woke up, and in my spirit, I felt like it was too late to tell my brother about the coming judgment. It was too late. And so I share that with you, not, not for those who are believers, not for you, but for those who are a moment's breath from being clubbed into the death cart. We can practically live this out. So we ask people to come to our church not so we can club you, but to breathe new life into souls. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That family that sat right there last week brought a young man a pillow and not try, not try to slide in like we hear so many times in prisons, uh, you know, slide in, you know, some postcard laced with drugs or, you know, a, uh, a Bible that's got uh, drugs in between the pages. No, it was laced with the love and the power and the freedom of Jesus Christ and eternal salvation. So I think this is our moment when we are despised by many in this world, the church has an opportunity. God is literally opening a window of opportunity for us as a church to look, to notice, and to act, to look for those who are drowning and ask God for wisdom. I'm not suggesting in any way that you take someone that you don't know into your home. You have to be wise. And, and that's the thing when we pray as elders, we're not just praying for wisdom, but we're asking the Lord to give us discernment. We need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. Who to help? But maybe God is calling us to help a young kid that can't read yet. Or doesn't have a book. Can read but doesn't have books. Uh, maybe just to help someone downstairs. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to help the homeless church when we pack those backpacks filled with things that people who are homeless need. But we're going to ask in a moment uh, for us to pray that the Lord will speak to us. It could be, again, I'm not... If you know me, if you're new to our church, you have to understand, we don't play the game of manipulation. We're not trying to guilt anybody into any action. Uh, we don't do that. Um, but I look back there and I see my good friends who maybe have heard through the Holy Spirit the cry of an abandoned child and they took him in as foster parents. I can only, I haven't talked to them, but I can only imagine that life would be easier if you did not have those kids. 
but you would not be walking in the, in the will of the Father. And I say, thank you, Jeremy and Julie. Thank you, Reuben and Tiffany. And there's others that I won't remember and I won't say it, uh, but don't take it personal. But they're in my peripheral vision right here. What can we practically do as a church? I think we could practically help them if, when they need help. Look for people who are drowning. Ask for God to help us to see with his eyes, to take an abandoned child into foster care. He may not be telling you to do that, but at the same time, he might be. The list is endless. But we don't stop there because we have to tell people about the fullness and the redemption power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's to visit an elderly. Maybe it's to call your grandma. Maybe you haven't talked to your grandma in a long time. It could be as simple as that. So I challenge us as a church, and I'm talking to myself, and if you're new to our church, you know that I preach to myself first. I am preaching to me first. So I'm not pointing, if I'm pointing the finger at you, I got three pointing right back at me. I need Jesus to help me as well. I need, what I need, and I'm not sure if you need this, what I need is that callousness that God will soften my heart to those who, who are in need. That I don't become callous to those who need help because maybe I've been burnt in the past by someone else and it's kept me from walking in obedience today. So let's pray and then after we pray, I'm gonna ask the band to come on up and we're gonna sing that song, like what moves your heart. I love songs like that, but at the same time, the answer's already in the scripture. It's already there. So it's, it's kind of like a rhetorical question in the song. You know, just read the Beatitudes. Blessed means that when we are poor in spirit, God's heart is moved. There's, there's no ambiguity about it. It's not like, I wonder, what, I wonder what I could do to move God's heart. He's already written it out for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And Lord, we just, simple, simple task this morning we ask, Lord, that you would help us to see those who are really close to the cart of death. And Lord, that as a church and as individuals who represent your body, that we would be uh, people who say, bring out the dead, the almost dead. Lord, that so that we can, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring that resurrection um, uh, power into their lives. That Lord, they would be set free and brought to life. Lord, help us. Help me. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. And you say, Pastor Mario, I'm going to... See, I'm raising my hand already. I'm saying, Pastor Mario, I'm going to just... I promise that I'll do this. I'll ask the Lord to help me to see the need. Because let me tell you something. Life is so busy. I've, let me, my, my calendar is full. I don't have time for anybody else. But Lord, help me to see those who need your touch. If you're saying, Pastor Moore, I'm gonna pray that with you. So just raise your hand. Amen. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us. 
Lord, I trust the Holy Spirit will reveal to us who's close to that death cart and help us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to be used by you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to be courageous enough if we are in that situation where our marriage, our emotional state, physical state is in need. Lord, that we would not fall prey to pride and say, well, I don't want to ask for help. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give people the supernatural ability to say, I need help. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, as a church, we say, bring out the dead, the almost dead. Lord, help us to be that agent of grace. In Jesus' name. Let's sing this one. Let's stand together. Amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.